It's laugh or cry. I say that to everybody because I make jokes as a defense mechanism to make myself feel better. Somebody will be like, oh my God, that's dark. And I'm like, it's either laugh or cry, Helen. Get on board because I can't cry right now. We're in public. Not that I haven't done that, but I'm not trying to do that right now. I'm trying to laugh and keep going so that I can go home and fall apart in my shower like a grown up, like an adult woman. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for listening in. I am Roberta, the illustrator behind Happy Impulse, and this is Happy Impulse Unfiltered, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the bullshit happening in our society, and I create art about it. Because the more we talk about this shit, these issues, the more we can change and better the world around us. So, welcome to Happy Impulse Unfiltered, and as always, thank you for giving a fuck. I'm super stoked and I want to welcome Natalie Megan to the podcast. She's a talented illustrator who is all about connecting with your feelings. So Natalie, thank you so much for being here. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Before we dive in, do you mind briefly telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? My creative name is Natalie Megan, but I go by Natalie or Megan. And it really confuses a lot of people in my life, especially who've only called me Megan and to now hear people be like, oh, how do you know Natalie? And they're like, who? So I have two names. I go by either my pronouns are she, her, and I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. I am married to my polar opposite. I have two sons. I make art and it's mainly centered around my lived experiences and how weird existing in general is and running through it sliver of mental health, self-love. I sell stickers and things like that. And then I also read a lot. So I accidentally started a book club on the internet and went a little bit viral with that, which is lovely. And I get to read weird books with lots of people every month. So that's kind of an overview. So a lot of your art has to center around mental health and seeing kind of the bright side of things. Can you dive in a little bit deeper on that? Yeah, I think it's funny. People that know me from my online personality and then in real life and the juxtaposition between the two, because I tend to be very, I don't want to say aggressive because that makes me sound like a predator. I think I have a good segue. What is your username online for Instagram? Oh yeah, perfect. It's called the Crybaby Club. That's my whole thing. And once I started to heal from things, I did a lot of taking things back. And one of the things that I was always chastised about was my sensitive nature. Like, don't cry, bite your lip, shake it off kind of thing. And once I realized that feeling things in such a way affects you deeply and being able to hold space for that and also continue living is like immensely powerful. That's when I was like in a positive way. I can take this and run with it because life sucks. It's hard. You know, it's harder for certain people. It's not as hard for others. Just learning how to hold space for those things, the big feelings, and then continue to move forward. I thought there was so much strength in that. And when I started talking about it online, really resonated with a lot of people back in 2016. And so that's how that came about. Well, 2016 was kind of an odd year in general. Yeah. 
That's all I'm going to say with that one. (laughs) Yeah, I was in a weird spot. I felt stagnant, but also life was moving and it was leaving me behind. And I wasn't taking care of my mental health. And I was in charge of two other human beings. And I did not have a job. And I did not have a degree to get a job. And I was just like, I am wasting my life with no direction. And that's where I started the club because I came home after dropping my kids at preschool and all the moms in their little pantsuits whip out these business cards with their name and stuff. And I was just like, oh my God. That's a little aggressive. Yeah. Like, thank you. I'm going to leave. I have nothing to give you. (laughs) And so I went home and had a meltdown about it. I was just, I am a huge loser. I don't have a two by three piece of paper that has my contact information on it. What am I even doing? Which is so small, but it was just the cherry on top of an already shitty Sunday. And I was like, what would I even put on my business card? Call me. I cry a lot. And then I was like, oh my God, call me. I cry a lot. That's funny. That's funny. I'm going to make that. So I made it. And now here I am. I took something horrible where I felt really shitty and I made something cute and funny and I connected with people over it. I think that's pretty perfect because a lot of what happens nowadays is people take something horrible and then they just make it worse. And you kind of went the opposite route. You said, okay, this sucks, but I'm going to see the bright side of things, even if right now it doesn't feel like a bright side. Yeah. I think it's so easy to wallow in the darkness. And I'm not saying that I don't do that. I absolutely do. Oh, no, same. I am a friend of the darkness. And I mean that in the most emo, angsty teen way. I remember journaling and brooding and just filled with all these feelings. And it made it my whole personality. I'm mentally ill. I'm a disaster. Come along with me. I mean, I don't know if you like movies, but... Clementine from Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind was such a big character when I was in college. And I was like, oh, absolutely. But even that movie, when you watch it from a little bit more of an evolved perspective where you're not choosing to stay in the nonsense and the darkness, you see that she was fragmented, but lovable and endearing, but also dangerous and sharp and hard to be around. But not to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen this. She's willing to take a chance on all this stuff all over again. Once I saw that and like kind of first time I saw it was an ex-boyfriend had called and said that this girl reminds me of you. And I was like, (laughs) okay. And so I watched it and I was like, I'm still not sure if that was a compliment or not. But watching it later after lots of therapy, you're like, I really like her and I hope she's okay. And I'm going to try to be okay too. Not that I'm not off the wall sometimes or forget to take my meds and then I start being manic. But we all have those sharp edges to our personality and just learning how to take a second and step away, figure it out and keep going forward. Because when you're a kid, everything feels so big. I think that's a really good way to look at it. So essentially, you are a reformed emo kid. Yes, I am an evolved emo. I still feel all the big dark feelings. I could go into my shower and sit there and listen to like Taking Back Sunday or all the other bands that don't even have their music out anymore because I was really cool 
And I thought I liked all these like, oh my God, you've never heard of that band before. Nonsense. And just have a cry. But I could also do the same thing with Taylor Swift. It's just figuring out how to be a well-rounded version of yourself instead of just a jagged, extreme version of where you are right now. Does that make sense? Oh, no, it definitely does. Like you're saying, when you're younger, you feel all the feelings. They're probably the first time you're experiencing heartbreak or big rejections or your friends you grew up with. They're probably not your friends anymore or you're about to go to college and you're all separated. So it's like a lot of goodbyes. You're probably dealing with loss. And so it's a lot of things that you're feeling all at once and then you're growing up. And so it's a lot of hormones and emotions going on that you feel like you're the only one experiencing them. Yeah. And then as an adult, you look back and you're like, yeah, all of that sucked. It was all really hard. But I've learned through therapy. I've learned through watching movies and enjoying music that it's good to feel those things and actually see that it's okay if I don't hate everything in the world. Yes. And that's the thing too, is like being allowed to change your mind. And it not affecting the core person that you are. Because first of all, I was wildly mentally ill and it was very untreated when I was younger. And I had a lot of trauma and I had a lot of loss. I remember being like, this is who I am. This is how I feel. I'm not wiggling one way or the other. I've always been very sure in who I was somehow, even if that person that I was, was a raving maniac, which I have been. (laughs) And I um, apologize to anyone who knew me then. You did not get the best version. Not that this is the best version. I feel like that's a moving goalpost. Like I can't get it, which is good because that keeps you moving forward. I had two dark thoughts recently. And one of the dark thoughts was like, I didn't give myself really big goals in life because I thought I was going to die young. So I gave myself these goals of like, hey, I'm going to be an illustrator. I'm going to open up a store. I'm going to find like a level of success. And now I've hit all of those goals. And I'm like, what is next? And what I find so interesting about you is that you're in love with the moving goalpost. You're like, I'm evolving. I'm never going to stay stagnant, even though I was stagnant when I was younger. Even if life is dark, I'm going to find joy. Even if it's chaotic joy, like fuck the world. They're not going to make me sad. I'm going to take this sadness back. And yes, I'll feel it. I'll experience it. I'm a human. I'm not all happy, shiny, but it's not going to be the only thing about me. Yes. Just knowing that there are layers and levels to just being alive in general was a really big revelation. And knowing that you can kind of set things aside or put stuff down. The way I explain it to my children is everyone has a suitcase and throughout their life, things get thrown into the suitcase. So, you know, you, death of a pet, that's something in the suitcase or something small, like your PlayStation broke. So you have to get a new one. That's, you know, so it's big, but it's small. That can easily be fixed. That's a goal. You can- It's big you know. when you're broke and you're a child. Yes. It's not big to me now, but it would have been big to me younger because I grew up poor and everything. Or you didn't get a job that you really wanted. That's something in the suitcase. And then you have something like, your grandmother gets Alzheimer's to make it personal to me. Huge. So that's like throwing in an already inflated pool float. So what you have to do to make this a manageable load for you to carry is to sit with the suitcase, let the air out of this float, just sit with it until you get it to a manageable little 
parcel that you can figure out where it goes in your suitcase because life is going to continue to throw these things at you. And if you let them all pile up, the suitcase won't close and you can't keep moving forward. And so that's what I tell my kids. I'm like, we just need to reorganize the suitcase. I feel like your suitcase is getting a little jammed. We need to just unpack it, repack it in a way that's easier for you to carry so we can keep going. And I love that. So for example, you mentioned job as if you didn't get the job, bummer. But the second you get a job, you can take that piece out of your suitcase. So because you couldn't get one job, but you did get the next one, you can take that loss of not getting the job you might've wanted before out of the suitcase. Yes. It's just a reconfiguration. Everybody has their stuff that they're carrying. Some of it is bigger than others. Some of it's heavier. It helps to have a support system to help you carry some of your stuff. And it helps to just be able to self-navigate, which is not something that I learned. It was just something that I had to come into, you know, being alone and being a mom really young. Like I had two children in a year, like a calendar year, which was traumatic in itself. They're both born in November. So I've got two Scorpio sons. Ooh, and I'm a Scorpio too. I apologize. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I appreciate that. It's rough. <laughs> it's rough. Um, we are, um, I'm not saying that I'm a little bit of a demon, but I might've been raised in hell a little yeah. bit. We are a water sign that acts like a fire sign. Oh yeah. So it's like pure chaos, but like lovely. Thank I, you. I do love a Scorpio, but I always can spot them, which is a weird talent. Like it's a party trick now that I do. I'll meet people. I'll talk to them for 30 minutes. Then my friends will be like, tell them what sign they are. <laughs> and I'm like, well, like I did a Scorpio not too long ago. And I was like, well, you are presenting like a fire sign. You kind of like the chaos. You kind of like the drama, but you also like hang back and then try to be the voice of reason, which is like very ebb and flow of you. So I'm going to go with Scorpio. And she was like, oh my God. I was like, I know. <laughs> I don't know. What's wonderful about that is when you're listening to people, you're really connecting with them. You're being present. You are saying what you're saying matters. The reason why I'm trying to figure you out is so that we can connect on a different level. My partner, she's a Libra and we approach things very differently. So I try to kick up a fuss and I'm like on the floor freaking out. This actually all tracks with the way you explained some of y'all's systems. Yep. Now this makes sense because yeah. And she like sees that I'm reacting negatively and she's like, so I'm going to let you do that. When you're over that moment, you can come and talk to me and we can have an adult conversation because we are adults. And I was like, I don't know. I think I'm still a kid. She's like, mm, Roberta, oof. I love that though, because that's revolutionary being like, listen, I'm going to let you do this. I'll be over here. I love you. I'm not going to do this with you, but you're allowed to do this as long as you need to do it. And then I'm going to be over here. Like that's revolutionary. It's kind of good because sometimes when she's hungry, I'm so sorry because she's going to listen to this. Sometimes when she's hungry, she gets very moody. What we've done is that if she snaps at me when she's hungry and by snap, I mean, she'll say something and it's hurtful and I'm hurt by it. I would kind of pause and it's a very adult emotion. Look at you. And I say like, okay, here's the deal. Did you mean to say it? And I need to be aware of this? Or are you hungry and you just want to take it back? Because if you just want to take it back, that's fine. We can hit undo. You're allowed to have moments where you snap, where I felt hurt, even if that wasn't your intention. 
And it could be something super reasonable. It could be, um, I didn't put the dishes away properly because we're pretty much married at this point. Even though we don't believe in marriage, we just... (laughs) I don't either, but I'm married. So what are you going to do? We act like an old married couple. Like she's aware that if she wanted to leave me, she could just pack things in the car and she's like, I'm out. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Which is nice because then she's choosing to be there, which is... Right, she's choosing to deal with my bullshit. Yes, we love that. So she gets upset when she's hungry. And I do say, would you like to undo the last comment you said? She gets a little angry about it. So I have to be silent for a little bit. And she's going to be silent a little bit. And then she gets food and she's like, I didn't mean what I said. And I'm like, okay. But I cannot point out that she was hungry. And I'm aware that she's hungry because I've done that. Like we're on the road. She snaps at me. Instead of saying like, hey, do you want to take it back? I'm like, hey, are you hungry? And she's like, just because I'm hungry. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. My sister's really good because obviously we're sisters. So, you know, one day I went and got her from her house and she got in the car and I just started yelling. I, I don't remember what I was yelling about, but I was just like, rah, 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 rah. and she sat there, heard every word, waited for me to stop and then said, let's get you some food. Because she knew instantly, like, you know what? This will come down to around a four or five if we just get some French fries. Just get some fries in you. And it's just, oh my gosh. Again, being alive is so freaking weird. To be so hungry and to live in this world where it's not like I have to go hunt my food. It's literally in the kitchen, just a couple steps away. But to still be so irritated and affected by a completely fixable problem that you're having, just the range of emotion inside of a human being at any time just blows. If I think about it too much, I start to get a little weird. It is weird because you have all this privilege because you can go to the grocery store and we can pick something up, maybe put it in the microwave, put it in the oven, and you got food. Yeah. and. We're angry about the inconvenience of having to go to the grocery store. So now the world has developed ways where food can be delivered to us. Yes. And then we also are angry because of the way food was delivered to us. So then we write bad reviews. We're just a lot of the world right now. We're just angry about we're angry about a lot of important shit. But the things that we should be angry about and talking about more, it takes on so much of our mental capacity. Yeah, we really actually blow up at the smaller shit. Yeah, it's misdirected anger. And just because it's a little bit easier to yell, for instance, at an Uber Eats delivery driver than to get the entire Senate in front of you so you can yell at them. And so it starts to seep out into areas that it has no business being in. But I said earlier, like, it's easier to be dark and mad sometimes. How do you not let all of the feelings, all the anger and all the pain bring you down and just stay in the darkness? I balance it because when something happens, I can compartmentalize really well. Maybe it's not the ideal way to do it, but it's worked for me. You know, this year specifically has been really difficult for my family. My son is going through a lot. My grandpa was in the hospital for five months and he kept going back and forth to the hospital. And my grandmother has Alzheimer's, so she's like super sweet and loving most of the time, but she's a completely different 
it's almost like she became an infant again. And so that's strange. So she's in a 24-hour care facility and it's just a lot of changes. And all of them have been really hard. And so, you know, I would go and get my family and take them to the hospital for my grandpa to get whatever's done to him. And it sucks. I don't like seeing him like that. I've had an irrational fear of his ultimate death my entire life. For some reason, I was very scared of him specifically dying from like when I was five. I've been afraid of it. And now it's here. And it's worse than I could have ever imagined um, watching it slowly happen gradually over time. The next day I'll wake up and I'll go up to the hospital to see him and he is in a good mood. And so he picks on me and I make him laugh. I tell him a story and he is the most negative person I've ever met. He's not warm. So to get to be the one that comes up to the hospital, sits with him and makes him laugh, that's a win. And I take the win and I nestle it right in between all the L's that I feel like I'm drowning in. And I let the W's be the lifeline that keeps me going through the day. But allowing myself to feel these things, to let them wash through me, over me, that's where it comes in. It's just finding the level, balanced place to be while you're going through it and then allowing yourself the time and space to fully feel all of these horrible, big, giant things that make it feel like you can't breathe and that you don't ever see an end. Let that happen. Let yourself feel it. And then just getting up and trying again and and hoping for a better day and good memories that you're making and something nice to come along or a new song that you love or a funny joke that you get to share with your friends and or, oh my God, pasta. Like, I'll live forever for pasta. Like, honestly, if there was nothing else, if you took everything away from me, but you said that I would get like three meals a day and they would be pasta, I'd be like, well, I'd like a shower, but I, I'll do pasta. I'll, uh, that's fine. Like, never ending pasta. That's fine. Yeah, we can work that out. So, like, just finding the little moments, the little things that bring you joy, the little things that make you smile, even when things are really shitty, very important. And like making sure that the people that you have around you are rooting for you too and want you to do well. And because you do sometimes encounter people that in the same vein of staying in the darkness, they are in a dark place and not necessarily a bad place, but like maybe they're like weird spot in between jobs and they don't have a partner and they don't really have anything going on. And, and so they meet you at like a low part of your life where you also are kind of mixed up and lost a little bit and wayward. And then you start to figure things out, but you notice they aren't really like cheering for you figuring it out because it kind of jeopardizes where they are and it makes them have to look at themselves. So you really do want people around you that will be honest with you will hold you and let you feel these things, but also like will celebrate your wins with you. That kind of camaraderie and safety is a really important part of my, in my toolbox. So two things I've gathered from this is if someone isn't willing to cheer for you because maybe they've lost their job or they're bummed, they're allowed to disappear from your life for a little bit and you'll welcome them back when they come. Because they're allowed to have that heartbreak, that moment where like, 
I do want to cheer you on. I love you. I adore you. I'm so thrilled that you're doing well. But because you're doing well, it hurts me a little bit. So I need to just deal with myself right now. So that's one thing. And then the other thing, I need to be present. I need to put my phone down. I need to be here. And so it's that whole saying, tell the people you love that you love them. Yes. Don't let time pass you by because this is your one shot. Your one shot. And I think that that can be really bleak for some. For me, it's very hopeful. When I was younger, I was was raised evangelical Christian, which is so fun. Wild ride. but Misogyny. Rife. It's thick in there. And I understand the comfort that religion brings to people. I'm not trying to take God away from anyone. But the same comfort that they get thinking that there's somebody looking out for them and that they'll be rewarded in the end is the comfort I get knowing that I'm going to be trying my best. And when I get to the end, I get to be like, I feel good about this and then just go to sleep. Right. I come from the ethos of if people are looking out for me, great. And I greatly appreciate that. And I adore that. But I'm always going to be my biggest fan. Yeah. I've always got my back. If I don't think I can do it, then I won't be able to do it. But if I say like, yeah, no, I can do it. It might be late. It might not be 100%. It could be 80%. But you know what? Sometimes 80% is good enough. Yes. And my friends would argue that I never do anything at 80% anyway, because I was sick with the flu. And I was telling my friend, I feel like I'm operating on like 80%. And she was like, okay, well, what all have you done today? And I started listing off all these things. And she was like, I really think, (laughs) I don't know for sure, but I think your 80% is way different than my 80%. And I was like, that's fair. But the control, honestly, it saves me. And if I don't believe in God, which I don't, which I love, um, I'm in control. I have not always been my biggest fan, but I am now. And I spent a few years alone just doing my own thing. And it was revolutionary, especially being raised the way that I was, that you need to get married. You need to find a man. You need to have a boyfriend, this heteronormative, religious purity, culture, misogyny, it's all of it wrapped up into, oh, he'd make a good husband. And you're like, mom, I'm 11, (laughs) you know? And so it was not a thought in my head that like, oh, I could just chill and be by myself. So when I did, it was eye-opening. I enjoy my company. I like having my things how I want them without having to confer with someone else. I like being in control of my time and where I use it. And It just changed my whole relationship with myself. I felt very present in my body and in my life. And I'm a different person now than I was five, six, seven years ago. That's comforting too, because we're always changing. And learning to be alone is another thing that no one said that to me when I was a kid. I saw my grandparents be married for like 60 plus years, right out of high school. I saw my mom, bless her heart, try to be married several times. And I always thought when I was younger, I was like, my mom is the coolest person. And I wish that she thought that about herself because you can tell now looking back that she just didn't. And she was looking to fill that void with other people. And that's sad to see. Somewhere along the lines, she started going to therapy, which I think is good. I think that everybody has that capacity to just be alone and discover who you are and just sit with yourself until you're no longer afraid of being alone. And I think that that is life-changing. I definitely agree. I think those moments when you're driving to work by yourself, that 
You can take moments for yourself and it not be selfish. I don't think anything that makes your relationship with yourself better is selfish. You're literally cultivating the person that you have to live with. I like me, but ew, I have to live in here. Every single dumb thought that I choose to keep in my mouth, I'm not safe from it. I have to hear it. (laughs) And learning how to be comfortable with that person and be silly with yourself. Like it's hard to say it's selfless because you're doing it for yourself. So it is selfish, but it's also not. It's like selfish in the best possible way because the only one who stands to benefit from it is you. Right. And I think that's all anyone really needs to do. Be 1% better every day. Sometimes you might be negative 80% better on certain things, but as long as you're trying and you're looking out for joy in the small things, then it's a little bit less pressure on the big events in your life. Yeah. Like the things that I'm going to remember in my lifetime are probably not the moments that I got awards or different things like that. My moments are going to be me begrudgingly playing with my dog outside, enjoying him just like watching me aggressively, just throwing a ball. That'll be what my life moments are. Nothing to do with my art, nothing to do with the impact I've had or any of those goals. It's going to be the moments I've spent with my partner and with my dog and then moments I've spent probably with my family. And that's it. Yeah. I have a thing in my store. I think it's a sticker. And it's just going back to cultivating a good relationship with yourself because self-loathing, I understand. And it is a friend. If they showed back up on my doorstep, I'd be like, oh yeah, I know you. But literally, what do you have to lose if you start trying to like yourself? Nothing. And so I made a sticker because I was doing some really intense work on that. And it says, for every mean thought, speak one kinder. And I don't always do this. I'm actually a petty hater bitch, but I'm also self-aware. And so I'll look in the mirror. I'm like, this is not okay. I hate everything here. And I stop and I make myself say something nice when I was alone out loud. Just so it doesn't seem like I'm talking to myself in the bathroom, even though I do. <laughs> and I am pro talking to yourself. I know. Oh no, same. I'm my best friend. So I have to. As long as you don't like answer yourself back and have full conversations, I think it's fine. Yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> I'm not admitting I've done either of those things. So let's move forward. <laughs> like I don't watch as many movies as it seems like I do because I keep referencing them. But I watched Say Anything with John Cusack, that 1980s movie where he holds the boombox over his head. Yes. Okay, stay with me, I promise. He gets dumped and he's very upset, which is why I love John Cusack so much. All of his little characters are so animated and passionate and I really love him for that. He says something like, when you start out depressed, everything feels like a pleasant surprise. And I thought about that because the way that my art became a thing was an accident. I had no plan like you had a plan, even though you didn't think you're going to be here that long, you still were like, I'm going to make art. I did not. I was just shitting my way through life and I had no direction. And so when people started sharing it, liking it, commenting, I was like, oh, how fun. Cause I didn't have any expectations. And so it was just an enjoyable experience. Now, once it started being my job, it became a little bit more stressful. The stakes were higher. (laughs) At the beginning, it was just fun and just such a pleasant surprise. This is so nice. I hope I always feel this way because it's a dream that I didn't even know I had. 
And now I get to connect with people and talk about sexuality and mental health and medication and stigma and Black Lives Matter and racial inequality and feminism and misogyny and all this other stuff. And I was just crying on my floor because I didn't have a business card. How did I get here? It's just such a pleasant surprise. And I have my book club that I started this year too, which was also started just because I was doing something fun and I have control issues. And my friend that I was reading with was like, we need to really document all the reading we've been doing. And like 30 minutes went by and I texted a logo to her. I was like, I already did a sweep. <laughs> this username is the only one that's available on every platform. And the URL is also available. So you just let me know. You can them on behalf. And she was like, what? And I was just like, it's just going to be fun. It's just going to be fun. Oh, no, same things. I do that. And I hate it, but I also love it. And now in my book club that I started on a whim for fun with no expectations, I have almost 1,600 people in the book club specifically. The TikTok itself has 30 something thousand followers. Still don't know how that happened. But the book club itself, having 1500 people reading books with me, that's ridiculous. It's so cool and so fun. But again, I think a really good little life hack there is like, and if you have the privilege, obviously, like I said, when my art became my job, the stakes changed. And so I recognize the privilege of it not being my main source of income for the beginning. And if you are wanting to make that jump and be like, this is me, I'm a creative and that's how I make my money. You need to eat. And that is a very basic need. And so it's not as frivolous and like, oh my God, whatever. If it works, it works. No, I invested money in this. It has to work. That's a different vibe. You know, everything that I have, the fact that I have a business that I created on my own, the fact that I'm able to vulnerably and honestly share feelings and things. And people are interested enough to be involved with me and touch base and check in and all this stuff. Like I'm thankful for that. And I just try to remember all the stuff that I do have. And like you said, I didn't think I was going to live very long either. Like the fact that I'm here at all is really wild. You might not be on TikTok as much as I am, but there was like a trend not too long ago where people were talking to their younger selves and, you know, being like, oh, well, did we marry that guy? And then the older person would be like, no, we're queer. Uh, you know, it was just something funny. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think mine's that funny. Mine's more like, hey, um, so we're still here. And then my older self was like, yeah, honey, we're still here. I don't I don't And know. you're like, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's the big thing. And so when you start out depressed, everything just feels like a pleasant surprise. I'm not championing for depression. Oh God, no. But it does give you a different look at things that like when you're a mom and you have postpartum depression, which I very much have, you're supposed to be excited and lovey-dovey with this new little baby and everything. And I just cried all the time. And I was like, wow, this sucks. Then it got better. And when I had my trauma and my childhood stuff that was completely untreated, I look back now and I have made time to grieve the life that I didn't get to live because of my mental illness and the things that were taken from me. So that's really important too. It's just being alive is so weird. Feeling things in full capacity is so weird and it's so exhausting, but I'm thankful that I get to do it. I love that. Even though I didn't ask to be here, <laughs> but I'm here. So let's see what we can do. Let's, let's fuck it up. Let's make the best of it. 
one thought I had is that whole saying like life's a bitch and then you keep living. Yeah. You've kind of taken that life is a bitch, but I'm going to find joy. And I adore that. I segue that into it's laugh or cry. I say that to everybody. Everybody says it to me because I make jokes to make myself feel better and make other people laugh. And then, you know, somebody will be like, oh my God, that's dark. And I'm like, it's either laugh or cry, Helen. Get on board. That's all I got. Because I can't cry right now. We're in public. Not that I haven't done that, but I'm not trying to do that right now. I'm trying to laugh and keep going so that I can go home and fall apart in my shower like a grown up, like an adult woman. Yes, adult women are allowed to cry in their showers. And literally anywhere else. I swear to God, I've cried in public so many times. I also sleep in weird, random places. I just don't care. I think after you hit a certain age, you just are like, eh, it's fine. What I've learned as an adult, and it's like such a scary thing, is like, yes, I always wanted to be an artist, but it's kind of evolved. When I was younger, I had this whole idea of what an artist meant. I'm going to be in paint all day, be playing loud music. And then all of a sudden, gallery showing. And then as an adult, I'm still an artist. I'm just a different kind of artist. I'm a different kind of person than what I imagined. And I like myself better that way. I like who I've become. And it doesn't dissuade who I was when I was younger or what my dreams were. But my dreams can change and evolve. And I'm not just the same thing repeated day after day. I grow. I evolve. I think that's what makes life more interesting because I do have the option of changing. Yeah. And I think our expectations, at least mine, I feel like what I was actually doing was growing and becoming my own person in the shadow of all those expectations, like whether it's societal or parental or self-inflicted expectations. Some things grow better in the shade. Definitely. And I felt my life was passing me by, leaving me behind, and I was constantly being overshadowed by people and things that I thought I would be doing and like a penthouse apartment in New York and traveling and drinking wine and making paintings and doing all this stuff. Like, that's cute. And I I would love to do Like, if anybody wants to Venmo me $10 million so that I can live this life, <laughs> um, you can. And I will gladly, graciously accept it. But it's just the growth I did in the shade when no one was looking. Helped you stand in the light. Yes, it helped me find my own light and it's way cooler. I like myself better this way. Well, I hate to say goodbye. But well, we're friends, so you don't have to. Oh yeah, no, that's true. I'm just saying goodbye to the audience. I'm so sorry, but... Oh, I know. Well, you can have me back on whenever. And if you ever want to talk about a book, you can come on my podcast. I'm a book fiend. Oh, exciting. I'm one of those people who can read a book in like a day. Yeah, we need to talk about books another time. You should join my book club. I'm obsessed. But any of y'all can join my book club too. Can I plug my book club? Well, I'm about to ask, what are your future plans? So I'm hoping you'll plug your book club. Okay, I'll let you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) So Natalie or Megan, what are your future plans? In a perfect world, which we aren't in, but come along with me. I would like to just continue to be able to create and entertain people with things that are like a sincere experience that I'm having. I feel like I'm very lucky. Like my husband works in a creative field as well, and he is beaten down by his job because he has deadlines, expectations, parameters to work within, budgets to work with. And then by the end of the day, he's tired and he doesn't want to create anything for fun or for himself. And I think I got my get out of jail free card with my career because I just create when I want to, when I'm inspired. And I've grown it so authentically that it almost feels surreal when I stop and think about it. My goal is I want to continue to be able to do that. I'm so thankful 
I get to work from my home. I get to be a mother, which was what I thought I would always be when I was in the very beginning stages of it. I was like, I will never get back to the person that I was. All I'm going to do is change diapers and make juice cups and clean up messes and go but to the you're doctor. you're more than that. Yeah. And I'm more than that. And I get to be more than that because I have an audience and people that are interested in just seeing me do well and make things and create things and make them laugh with weird book reviews. So my goal is to continue to draw and letter and make things that make people feel seen and less alone in this weird world on this insane journey of existence and feelings and just all that comes with that. I want to make sure that my kids are good people and happy and that they move through the world feeling like they belong here, but also with humility that they're happy to be here. And I want to make my people that I've chosen to surround myself with, I want to make them feel thankful that they met me and not (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Like, oh, nope. I really done it this time. She's never going away. I don't want them to feel like that, even though I know that they probably do because I am insufferable. But (laughs) dirty lies. And I want to keep talking about books and I want to keep creating things in a way that gives me the control that I desire while offering me the creative freedom to still be my authentic self and share my lived experiences with people. I don't have any like quota I'm trying to hit, number I'm trying to reach. I just would like to live a life that when I get to the end, I look back and think I did a pretty good job. I think that's a wonderful future plan. I feel good about it. I think you should. Being able to look back and be like, I did good. That's all anyone really should hope for. Right. And as the oldest sister, perfectionist child that had to have straight A's or I got in trouble and stuff, it's such a sigh of relief to be at a place that I'm like, I would just like to be a happy, well-rounded, stable person. (laughs) That's it. You know, we see extravagant wealth, insane levels of quality of life that I couldn't ever even imagine. And I know that seems really lush and everything. And it probably is. I would like to live that life for like a day just to see how it would be to have not one worry. But this is what we have. It just goes back to this chance we get. And it sucks and it's hard and it's horrible and it's stressful. But it's also can be worth sticking around for, which is what my younger self needed to hear. Nothing lasts forever, which is very bleak, but also hopeful you know, the good stuff doesn't last long either. So you need to be really intentional with the energy that you're giving it, letting yourself enjoy it, letting yourself celebrate your wins and revel in your own joy and excitement. And then also the pain, the heartache, the sadness, it won't last forever either. I feel like it's always going up and down. So when I do get sad and I do feel like the darkness is getting a little too close for comfort, I tell myself, listen, just a couple more days. You'll be back on the upswing. Something funny will happen. Something good will happen. It all evens out in the wash. It does. And so that's bleak, but it's hopeful. And here we are, which I think is just my brand at this point. I'm game. So where can we find you on the web? I'm everywhere. I do so much stuff. It's just obnoxious. So art-wise... I am the Crybaby Club. You can go to thecrybabyclub.com and find all the links that are there. I've done a pretty good job of cultivating everything onto that one site. My biggest presence for Crybaby is on Instagram. 
and it's the crybaby club underscore because someone stole the first one, just regular crybaby with no underscore. And they have been inactive the entire time I've been making art. So don't forget the underscore. You'll end up very disappointed. There's like three posts and it's been several years. So the crybaby club underscore. If you do want to join my book club, it's weirdobookclub.com. And my biggest following for that is TikTok and it's weirdo book club. No underscore because I did my due diligence this time. You learn. You did. You learn and you grow. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'll come back anytime and we can talk about books soon. Thanks again for listening. If you liked this episode, it would be awesome if you took the time to subscribe. And if you want to send me your thoughts to continue the conversation, email me at info at happyimpulse.com. You can also find me on Instagram at happyimpulse. And as always, thank you for giving a fuck. Thank you.